Hey, everybody. It's your host, Felipe Melicio. This is another edition of the Total Basis Podcast. My co-host, Sean Flannery, is here as well. How you doing, Sean? I am great. We're ready to get the show started and talk about some uh, interesting work that you put together this week. Yeah, uh, you, but, oh, but we got to, you know what? Uh, our fantasy playoffs for the baseball league, for the fantasy baseball league based off the baseball group, say that 10 times fast, <laughs> uh, is winding down. Yeah, I you see, should, I, don't, uh, I, I, I didn't want to up. talk about that because I had to write a concession speech. Well, we got to talk about our... <laughs> We got to do it, man. We got. Oh, it's uh, embarrassing. If we learn anything anything from last night, and I think without mentioning anything specific, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Without, if we learn anything from last night, is we're not just good at pumping ourselves up and and, and touting our our (laughs) victories, but we're also good at admitting our defeats, right? Yes, yes. human and that's what makes us flow so uh, and, and you know what if, and if anything I, I'm afraid to look at the uh, at the scoreboard myself because I have no idea how I'm doing so let's go and share the screen here I got I got the website up and running if they will just let me do it there it is and you let you tell me if you can see that or not this is the baseball life fantasy baseball group uh, the playoffs are here uh, there it is we're up this is what week two, Sean. Week two of the playoffs. This is week two. This is the semifinals. This is the semifinals. So uh, we got Aaron. Uh, who, she's the chick stick the long ball, and that's my team, Framil Muertes. As we just keep going back and forth, back and forth. There's one. There's days where I dominate her, and there. Yesterday she annihilated me and 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 and, and picked up some ground. So. I'm yeah, this is this is real neck and neck. Neither of you guys are really having good pitching weeks with ERAs over four point nine. I just what I find extremely interesting with your week here, Felipe, yeah. is that you're winning RBIs with a two seventeen batting average and only <laughs> six home runs. That that's wild to me. But uh, yeah, that's going to be a neck and neck one to watch as you guys uh, yeah, man, finish up the week. Ball, man, we play small ball. You're playing small ball, except you only have. No, it's been a brutal week. You have one stolen base. <laughs> well, hey, there's more. Hey, listen, man, there's more ways than one to get small ball, right? Hey, is there you know, a couple of doubles, sack bunts on your teams? <laughs> sack bunts, sack bunts for sure. You know, I manufacture runs little by little. That's why I don't have a lot of runs, but I do have a lot of runs driven in. So, uh, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, it's the pitching, ironically enough, that's been saving me this week. I feel like pitching has been a weakness for me all season long. I've talked about it numerous times with you about the injuries, the uh, inconsistencies, uh, and it looks like the pitching, if, if I do pull this win off, is what's going to get me over this week against Aaron, who's, uh, I hope she's not on a hot streak because if she is, then I'm dead. I also am crossing my fingers that the Giants play some games today because I do have Evan Longoria. Yeah, I want to say they were scheduled to do a doubleheader because that same player has had two negative tests since the initial positive. So I thought they were planning on playing a doubleheader. I'm not sure if that's still the case, though. And I forgot, honestly, forgot about the uh, COVID test. I thought they were still talking about the uh, the fire that was oh. happen, and yeah, you know, they had to cancel games because of that too. So, but I'm hoping that Evan Longoria can get some plate appearances today, and you know, because he's been productive um, while he was uh, still healthy. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, it's panic time. No, not Joe panic, but just panic time in general for me. But, uh, yeah, if I pull this off, I'll go to the championship game and I get to face, uh, where's the other game right here. 
Uh, hey, you covered some ground yesterday. Yeah, I picked up a whole three categories because it was 18 and a half to like three and a half. Um, it's just been brutal. I had a couple of last-ditch measures because uh, during the first part of the week, I, I found out that Cattell Marte was being put on the injured list. Uh, Howie Kendrick was put on the injured list. Rowdy Telez, who I had picked up for this week alone, he went on the injured list. Uh, so I had to make some last-ditch kind of attempts I picked up uh, Adam Frazier, who actually gave me a home run the other day. So I feel like anytime you stream a hitter and he gives you a couple of hits and a home run, that's a win. Um, and then I was also streaming Adam Hazley, who was a, a big win. I, I picked him up because he was had a several, two double headers to play, I believe, over the scoring period after I picked him up. And he went five for eight. Adam Frazier yep. really quick. Adam Frazier, since 2017, is your leader in clutch rating. So really? Clutch hitter. That's your guy. Well, and I saw that he was available, and I needed a second baseman with Cattell Marte and Howie Kendrick going down for me. And I looked at his uh, recent games, and he had a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. He had a 12-game hitting streak going on. And, of course, the first game he plays, well, in the Mad Dog Madrigal uniform, he goes 0 for 4. Um, but then he picked that up uh, yesterday. He went 2 for 4 at the home run and a couple of uh, RBIs. But – I was a day late and a dollar short. If you uh, go to the, the or see the summary on the right-hand side, um, Jet has absolutely killed me in pitching. He's had a total of seven starts. Six of them were quality starts, five wins. I mean, just utter domination from his pitching staff. Um, the strikeouts were actually pretty close. Um, the ERAs were close until I had Trevor Rogers give up eight runs to the Phillies on Friday. That kind of uh, was the end of that. But, uh, yeah, it's looking like I'm I'm going to once again be knocked out in the semifinals three years in a row. Fantasy playoffs are a bitch. <laughs> and it sucks, man, because you did everything right. I mean, you were killing everybody. In Yeah, and I have, I have a four stolen base week, like, in any other week, that wins you stolen bases. And Jet has a nine stolen bases. Nine in six days. That's like, yeah, net stolen bases. Net, yeah. So he, they haven't been caught once. Um, he's had a couple from, I want to say Robbie Grossman has a couple. Uh, Andrelton Simmons had one or two. I mean, it's just been insane how they've stolen bases. I can't even find it right now. Um yeah, Robbie Grossman won. I don't even know where he got these stolen bases. Uh, <laughs> Ra Randall Grichuk picked up a stolen base. Oh, my God. Andrew Simmons. Joey Wendell gave him three stolen bases. Oh, not Joey Wendell. Uh, I thought he was a nobody. Hey, listen, Yankee fans were telling me that he was a nobody hitter. <laughs> just some guy, just some scrub, Joey Wendell. Okay, three stolen bases for uh... – and yeah, uh, Fernando Tatis gave him another two. So just between Tatis and Wendell, he he beat me in stolen bases. Which, uh, and then Jose Ramirez missed a couple of games with me. He was in and out of the lineup after getting hit by a pitch on the on his hand. Uh, but I just want to give a quick shout out to one of my minor league prospects who, once he's been promoted, has been in my lineup uh, since the beginning. And that's uh, Phillies rookie Alec Bohm, who in this scoring period, he uh, put the team on his back. Uh, he went 12 for 26, three doubles, eight RBIs, 500 on base. Um, he just had, like, a, a great week. And um, sadly, we're going to come up a bit short. Um, 
he actually had two hits in all of his games this week, uh, the 10th through the 12th, the second half. He all two hit games with doubles and RBIs and three of them. Um, but Kyle Tucker, who was also carrying me, went one for 17 mm. in the scoring period, which really hurt me. Well, you know what it is, Sean. What is it? Clearly, they're not using garbage cans. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no garbage cans. That that's a big that's the big reason, you know. You, you got to look at it, you know. The only way, it's the only explanation. Yeah. Uh, quickly, quickly, let's uh, let's chime in on the other matchups because you know what? In my league, nothing is given. You got to earn it. These guys are fighting for uh, what's I forgot fifth place, right? Uh, I want to say that's the fifth place game. Yeah. I so can... this is what James or is that Andrew? That, that's uh Andrew's big dinger. Uh, Andrew's big dinger, big dinger, Dong City tomorrow, and Mario Margola, our very own Mario Margola, who uh, has kind has kind of fallen flat, as uh, he made a late uh, surge to finish the season, and he just kind of fell flat. So it looks like uh, unless something drastic happens tomorrow with uh, or today with uh, with Andrew O'Sullivan's team, I think he's going to advance in the fifth place consolation bracket, and he will probably face. Uh, Fuck it. One more Cub. I think that's uh, that's Jim Gravy's team who appeared on our, our show a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And this is James Handabode, right? Yeah, comfortably in first. Yeah, so it, it, it's anybody's game still, but uh, right now Jim Gravy has the lead. Yeah, I'm just the only one getting their uh, getting their tits lit, according to no, Keith Hernandez. No, no, no. I mean, my, uh, no, oh, okay, so that one that one's pretty bad, too. Now, this is the third place game right here. So uh, Not the third place. This is the uh, – they're, they're playing for – help me out here. The third, third yeah, pick overall yeah, next year. Yeah, third or fourth pick. It's, yeah, so uh, it looks like uh, Cardinals fan Mike Harvey is going to win this one and get the Secure third pick the third next pick, year. Yeah. Yep. And the season's over. Yep, uh, and Jacob, Jacob will get the fourth. Jacob will get the fourth. And then the last place game uh, – I'm sorry, not the last, but the first pick overall – for next year, uh, look, I had, I could have sworn Whelan was winning this at the beginning of this uh, of the week, and Henry uh, is really trying to do a last ditch effort to get something out of the season and bring some positive energy for next year. Because if you ever hear Henry talk about his fantasy team on, on, in this league, it's like everything bad happened to him and him only. But at least he gets the first pick overall next season to do whatever he wants with it. So, well, we'll see because it's still a close matchup. And I know, I know Matthew Whelan, who does a podcast over at Food Life, he was winning for a little bit. Uh, and then Henry just continued to scratch and claw where he now has a lead. But today's the day we're going to get some answers as to what the draft order is going to look like next season. Yeah, on Thursday, I thought I was going to be able to, you know, I, I was only had winning like four categories. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm close to the couple. Maybe my pitching matchups will help me down the stretch. Um, and then by the time Friday ended, I said, nope, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm losing. This is all hope is lost. Let me start drafting my concession speech now. Um, so it, it's been brutal, but, you know, a solid season. It's uh, just how fantasy playoffs work. Uh, Zach Gallen reminded us all of that yesterday. Many people, Zach Gallen was probably helping win them their leagues. And then in one fell swoop, uh, he gave up five earned runs and like two or three innings yesterday um, with five walks. So probably hurt a lot of uh, playoff bound or playoff playing teams yesterday with his performance, but that's the, the fickle nature of fantasy. Yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's what sucks about head to head sometimes, right? It's fun, but you really are leaving it up to luck and chance at this point of the season. Unfortunately, I mean, you could, 
I mean, like I said, I, I wanted to give you some props here because you did everything that was expected. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you talked about it, you, you executed it, and you were demolishing opponents for like the first, I want to say the first eight or nine weeks. And then yeah. regression, reg I mean, people say karma's a bitch. Regression is the ultimate <laughs> yeah. bitch in, in fantasy, especially in head-to-head -head leagues. Yeah. So, uh, and unfortunately, you, you got caught at the wrong time and Jet seems to be surging at the right time as well. And uh, so it should be an interesting one. I, for all intents and purposes, Jet will be advancing. And then we're just waiting to see if Aaron or I. Uh, Aaron's a defending champ. Me, I'm always a perennial contender, whether you guys want to admit to it or not. Partially, um, Felipe, um, I want you to win. But at the same <laughs> time, I want you to lose. That way I can beat your ass in the in the consolation for the third or uh, for the what would be the 10th pick. Brother, if your team is playing like this right now, I think I'm ready to just get that ninth place, uh, uh, ninth <laughs> pick overall next year and just catch <laughs> it in stone at this point. Uh, but no, man, it's, um, no, it's brutal. I mean, we, we talk about it every week. Uh, we, uh, we, like I said, we toot our own horns, but we'll admit when we're, when things are, I mean, like, a few weeks ago in my points league, I, I had a nervous breakdown on the air. And since then I've, I've searched all the way up to fifth place. You know, it's, Hey, it's, fifth it's, place. It's, That's what we all want to be. I mean, I mean, I, I, I just want to compete, man. I, I don't, yeah. I'm not like I talked about it with you numerous times. I, I built my team to compete, not to, not to tank. And I had too many good players to be that bad. And, you know, people make excuses. But I think what it is, Sean, is don't just make excuses. And let me go on a little rant here about fantasy sports in general. But fantasy baseball in general, because it is a long marathon. It's, it's long and it's brutal. And not many people can take the whole thing. Because most people, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Michael Scott. Because you know, man, it doesn't matter if it's a pay league or a free league. The quitters are gonna quit every freaking time. All right, <laughs> especially They're in gonna, like baseball fantasy. Yeah, especially in fantasy, because fantasy baseball is the ultimate fantasy sport. It's not like basketball. I mean, basketball is fun, but it's no, it's not like fantasy basketball, uh, baseball, and fantasy football. That just brings up all the casual people. So, so that doesn't even really count. But everybody thinks they can do fantasy football until they get that first waiver wire. I'm like, wait, what? What am I doing? <laughs> Who are these scrubs? Where, where's uh, Where's Barry Sanders? Like, okay, guy. But anyway, the thing here is. It's fine. You can make your excuses, all right? What I like to do is say, you're pointing out your problems, right? What are you going to do about it? What are the solutions? I don't want excuses. I want results. That's what we're about, right? We're yeah. a results-driven game. And, and, yeah, you can hear us bitch about our, oh, the Noah Syndergaard's hurt and woe is us, but what do we do for you? We offer solutions. Go pick up Pablo Lopez. Go pick up Tyler Maley. Go pick up. Uh, Go Gordon pick up Burns. Adam Frazier. <laughs> Frazier. And, and you see, and, Frazier. and that was my thing was when I saw Cattell Marte go down and Howie Kendrick, who uh, he's just been hurt all year and they, they weren't putting him on the IL. They were just kind of keeping him on the bench and he'd get like a pinch hit appearance. Um, both of them went down and I was like, Cattell Marte has been one of my best players. He's been hitting for average. He's been getting on base. His walkout to strike ratio has been good. Lots of doubles. And when, when I lost him um, on like Tuesday or Wednesday, I, I kind of got worried. But that was the thing. I, I didn't throw in the towel immediately. I went and I, I was like, I need to find a replacement. And, you know, I checked where was who was playing who and where. And then I saw that Adam Hazley had, you know, the, the five matchup uh, weekend uh, over three games and he's like I said he gave me five hits three RBIs a couple of walks um, it's all about finding the replacements for when things eventually do go wrong because they will go wrong <laughs> sooner or later they will 
every single time in my points league, I lost Matt Chapman dude, uh, on the IL this week. I'm not panicking. I got Bo Bichette coming back from the IL. I also got two third basemen in Eugenio Suarez and uh, Hunter Doja. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta adapt. And and this is something that we talked about privately in our in our baseball chat. When when I started making fun of the the, the guys, like, oh man, you guys are just running excuses left and right. What's going on here? <laughs> and then they went after me like I'm the bad guy for bringing it up. I'm like, no, like fine, you can say your excuses, but what are you gonna do about it? Like, it doesn't matter. Ifs and buts. I mean, yeah, we play that game all the time, but ultimately there's only one champion at the end of the season. And, and anyway, it's one of my pet peeves. Like, either you're about it or you're not about it. So just, you know, wallow in your despair for a little bit, but then I want to see how you react to that, uh, to the uh, bad times and how do you adapt. That's what, I, that's what I'm interested in. So enough with the excuses. It is what it is. One more thing, Sean, before we move on to the next segment. In this league, this Fantrax League, the Baseball Life League, I am al- we're allowing you guys who are not in the championship playoffs game, like if you're in dead last, I don't care if you're in sixth place, ninth place, whatever it may be, you have an opportunity to go into that waiver wire and just start picking and choosing um, upside guys. Like we talked about with Matt Bushnell last week. This is the time now to go and pick up that upside guy that you were hesitant to pick up on because you still were trying to win. Unlike other leagues, we're allowing you, allowing you to go in there and pick up while other teams are actually playing for something for this season. So go ahead and make your changes because next year, I don't want to hear it. Oh man, I, I wasn't paying attention. I would have picked that. I don't give, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to hear it. You're, other leagues do not allow this. We are allowing you because this is a keeper league. Go pick up those upside guys. Go pick up that third baseman. Fuck, Brian Hayes was available in our league. That's inexcusable, uh, Sean. But is he someone that you're going to keep? It doesn't matter. It, I want options. <laughs> I, Me, want I, want, options. I always want the upside guys in a keeper league. I mean, I, he I, could I, theoretically I talk, I still be minor league. I Evan Longoria so I can get keep Brian Hayes. Why? Because last I checked, keep Brian Hayes is a younger uh, uh, up-and-coming prospect, and Evan Longoria is on, on the downside of his career. Like, And that's me trying to win a championship. What's the dude in last place thinking about? Kim Brian Hayes is a was a top fifty right prospect yeah. coming into the season. He finally got called up by the Pirates, who never call up anybody, and he's on the waiver wire, like just swallowing. And and it's not like he's having a bad season; he's having an okay season. Why don't Why don't you pick it up? Pick it up! You're in last place. You got nothing to play for. I don't know. That's just my rant. That's another rant of mine. Like, <laughs> like you have an opportunity to improve your team for next season. You always want to have options in a keeper league like this. Why Brian Hayes was still available for me to pick up and, and, and take advantage of is beyond me. But anyway, uh, rant's over. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that's uh, – that's, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I just want to um, give a shout-out to my, uh, my team name, reference Nick Madrigal. He is doing what I thought he would do. Um, as the, the meme goes, that he is who we thought he was, um, <laughs> batting 362. And I just wanted to see something – because I was watching him hit the other day, and uh, he had gotten another um, two-strike RBI, and the announcers were like, wow, that's like the multiple time that he's done that. Um, in two-strike counts, uh, he's gone 10 for 28, so that's 357 with six RBIs. Um, how many – I'm trying to think. It was in 0-2 counts he was even better than – yeah, he's batting 429 in 0-2 counts. So I just think that's like the coolest thing for someone in their first 50 plate appearances in the major leagues who's five foot seven to like 
when he gets to two strikes, he's impossible to get out. And that was exactly what I saw when I saw him last year in the Southern League was he had like a 13-pitch at bat, and it was all 0-2. And it was just foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. And then line drive up the middle for a base hit. Um, so as much as I would like to keep him as one of my keepers, I probably won't, but I'm probably going to have to scoop him up real early in next year's draft. Uh, you know, that's something we need to talk about uh, off the air, though, is how early. Well, maybe we can discuss it right now really quick. How early do you set up your, your rankings for next season? Uh, I mean, I try and not set them in stone because, you know, I don't really do a, a bona fide, like, type it out rankings. I mean, I kind of keep it in my head and, you know, this guy's ahead of this person, this person's ahead of this person. But the reason I don't like putting it down, you know, in a spreadsheet or on a piece of paper is because things are so fluid in baseball. Things change so quickly. And it's, you know, go, next year is going to be really interesting, I think, especially on the pitcher side. Um, with starting pitchers this year, you know, having only thrown maybe 50 innings, how they handle that going into a full season next year. I think it's going to be really interesting on how they do that. So I usually wait until about spring training starts and like the storylines really start developing. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, you want to look at their numbers from this year. Um, Obviously, if this is their their major league debuts, then we have nothing else to really look at aside from their minor league numbers. But uh, I've wholeheartedly been in the camp that I'm not going to put too much stock into this season. Um, It's just so weird in such a way that we've never seen. There are so many other reasons aside from skill and talent why a player might struggle. So if someone did really good, good for them. Uh, There we go. But guess what? I do keep a spreadsheet, and I understand that there's a lot of fluidity, but, I mean, let's play with it right now while we have a little bit of time here. Uh, I think I had Nick Madrigal at 20th, uh, as a 20th-ranked second baseman, and that's simply because, uh, except for the newbie league, which we haven't had a chance to talk about, but I'm dominating that one anyway, so you guys don't want to hear me. <laughs> about that. You know, like I said, we, we do our victories as well as our defeats here. We, 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 don't, we don't run away from our problems here, guys. But, tw- because, like I said, Nick Magical, 20th. And most people say, well, how, how would you rank him that high? Or, 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 or I don't know, maybe you, you think it's too low. But I'm in two keeper leagues this year, and those are my, the two leagues that I take seriously at this point. But, I mean, if we were to rank him, uh, move him up the list, I mean, he would have to be at least higher than Keston Kiora, right, at this point, right? I mean, that's uh, – I mean, like I, like I said, it, it's – Keston Hura has really dropped. Yeah. And it's – one of those, his struggles I look at and I see, but at the same time, I also still see that same upside that we saw last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely put him ahead of, like, Gavin Lux just seems to be in Dodger hell, like yeah, purgatory. Was, like, the, um, Ryan McMahon, I'm, I'm not even, even sure how he's doing this year. But he, he's also, I mean, it – Looks appears to be that the Rockies are finally going with the full youth movement. Daniel Murphy has really stopped playing. Yeah. Um, McMahon's the same. The walkouts or the walks are the same, but the strikeouts are way up. In 150 plate appearances, he's got a 38% strikeout rate. So I would probably move Madrigal above him. And uh, VR, you never, you know, I'm not, not a yeah. huge fan of VR. Brandon Lau, I would move up. Um, You're moving up Lau? Yeah, I would move up Lau. He's having a really good year. Um, I well, want to well, say really quick, just for Nick Magical, just so we're, 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 I can stay on track here. I mean, let's let's start from the beginning. Is he better than Jeff McNeil? 
No. You there? Or did you freeze on me? Is better than Jeff McNeil. No, I, I don't think he is. Uh, I, I think is Jeff McNeil. The Albies, who I dropped all the way to 11th this uh, uh, um, season. In my heart, I want to say yes, but he's probably not. But I'm going to say yes, and that's going to be the hill I die on. All right. Tommy Edmond. Is he better than Tommy Edmond? I think they're very similar players. I think Edmond has a better um, power profile and is going to steal more bases because the White Sox, it just seems they never steal bases. Even though Madrigal himself is an adept base stealer, he doesn't have the high-end, elite, top-end speed that we've seen in, like, Moncada and uh, Luis Robert. Um, but even then, I'd probably put Edmund slightly above him. You there, Felipe? Okay, looks like Felipe might have locked up on us. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I did for a little bit. So. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. What was the last thing you said? I, I said that um, Edmund, I, I think, has a slight, slightly better, you know, overall hit tool with power included, um, and I think he's more likely to actually steal bases compared to Madrigal. So I, I would probably put him above Madrigal as well. All right, so that that's it. That's where it stops. Yeah. Like, I, I feel yeah. like the, I feel like the big droppers in second base were uh, are going to be Hura, Altuve, Albies. I, I think those are going to be guys that were inside of everyone's top ten that are now no longer in that top ten. What about Mustakis and Muncy? Would you drop those guys, or would you just keep them above Edmund? Muncy's having a terrible year. I want to say he's batting on the interstate, but I've always liked his. He's one of those I'm not looking too much into his troubles. Uh, Moustakis, I haven't looked at his numbers. Let me pull him up. Uh, he's been uh, injured and had COVID and has not been the same. He has not taken advantage as much as I would like uh, him to take advantage of that small ballpark in Cincinnati. I have him on the team, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, and who know, I don't think he qualifies next year anyway for a second base. I think he was strictly third baseman at this point. Um, has he? I thought he was been playing second base for him. I mean, oh, right, because I'm so sorry, Suarez. But then, like, nah, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, he, he's played 23 games at second base, so he's going to be second base eligible. Yeah. Because, okay, yeah, well, A. Suarez has been a third. I think I would put him at least above Altuve, and even then I'm kind of, like, hesitant to do so. But uh, so if I'm not mistaken, this could be your top eight next year. Well, I think I think McNeil would be in there. I think McNeil would be in there. Um, yeah. I, I would have him above Madrigal, Albies, probably even Edmund and Lau. I, I think McNeil is that good. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him, both oh, in so points you leagues. Told Madrigal, you told me Madrigal was better than McNeil when I asked you. Oh, no, 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 no. I was saying McNeil was better. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, sorry Because McNeil that. started off on a real cold streak this year, and yeah. then over the last uh, two weeks or so, he's um, already bumped his average up back to 316. Um his slash line is almost identical to where it was last year. He went on a he, – he didn't have a home run in his first 100-some-odd plate appearances, and then he went four straight games with a home run. So I, I think Jeff McNeil is just 100% legit, and that's just not me being a Mets homer. This is a guy who's hit at every level 
and he's hit since he's come up to the major leagues. I mean, he's got a, a, a 320 batting average through his first almost 1,000 plate appearances. I think it's Tommy time Open? to say – Yeah, oh, yeah, but way better than I, – I, Not like better I said, than Brendan Lau. I, I think he is. I, okay. I honestly Not think he could be. Uh, Lau is going to give you more home runs, but yeah. in a points league, I definitely am, I, I move Lau way down in a points league. And apparently Lau will get you some stolen bases as well. Yeah, no, I want to no say last. he's chipped in a couple this year, and he he chipped in several last year before he got hurt. So, uh, is Ketel Marte still a second baseman for next season? Uh, I'd have to look at his position. I want his. Oh, I don't want Starling Marte. That was his former teammate. <laughs> um. <laughs> so we're just kind of waiting. I think Whit Merrifield still qualifies at second base this year. Yeah, he'll. Um, yeah, Whit Merrifield's played almost all of his games at uh, second base. He actually played three games at, in center field and um, a game at shortstop, interesting yeah. enough. And just a reminder, this is these are my rankings at the beginning of the season. So uh, if you've seen that, uh, well, Whit Merrifield, I haven't seen him play right field all year. Well, he qualified for right field entering the 2020 season. And, and uh, I apologize to the audio-only people. Sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, I'm busting up the – hey, this is why you should join – yeah, or, or pick up the YouTube videos too. Or pick up the YouTube videos as well, but mostly do the Facebook group and you can see live in person and, and cause all types of shenanigans for us. Go ahead. Are you still uh, looking Yeah, um, Whit Merrifield's mainly played the outfield this year, uh, 50 games, uh, but he has played 14 at second base, so that should keep him second base eligible going into next year. Yeah, there's plenty of time to at least get to 15 games, maybe even 20, but we still that's – the, that's the thing. We don't know what – websites are going to do next year yeah are they going to prorate that or, or I, I i think it's going to be prorated honestly that oh, seems that. to be the the most sense to do yeah all right and Marte, will he still qualify at second base Has he even yes played yes base? that's been his primary position this year is he better than dj lemayhew oh that's that's close that's right, uh right? I, that's closer than even could tell Marte in a down year um i i'd place him slightly behind dj in a redraft but I would have Cattell ahead in either a keeper or a dynasty league. So this is what you're talking Because Cattell, Cattell Marte's lost a lot of his power that, you know, fueled his breakout last year. Right. Um, I, I didn't think he would repeat a 590 or a 590 slugging or a 32 home run season, but he still maintained the, the very high batting average that he showed last year. He's batting 290 this year. Um, I, I still think he's too much of a premier talent to uh, – to sleep on. So this is what your top eight looks like right now. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, number one. Ketel Marte, number two. Number three is Whit Merrifield. Number four is Jeff McNeil. Number five is Brandon. Wow. Oh, thank you for locked up on me again. There he is. Okay, he's back. Oh, okay. You yeah. back fully back? Okay. Kick me out for some reason. Sorry. About oh, okay. That. Been a struggle all evening or morning. <laughs> Even the computer's having a Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well. 
Um, how much did you hear me talk over there? Uh, uh, once you started doing a top eight, I, I didn't hear much after your top eight as you're rounding them out. Oh, okay. So I just want to make sure that people uh, on the audio only could, could hear this. But yeah, DJ LeMayhew, Ketel Marte, Whit Merrifield, Jeff McNeil, your top four, Brandon Lau, Tommy Edmond, Nick Magical, Ozzy Alves is your bottom four. So that's second base. Bottom, to- bottom four of the top eight. Yeah, oh, the top eight. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I, I think we might ruffle some feathers there with uh, no mentions of Jose Altuve, Glaber Torres, or Keston Hira. But I, I honestly think talent-wise, I mean, from what they've showed the last few years, uh, Jose Altuve might be on a downswing. I, he could easily bounce back. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Glaber Torres as well, kind of having a down season, but hampered by injury. So well, he's uh, not going to qualify for second base anyway. Yeah, he's not going to qualify. Um, but Keston Hira, Muncy, and Mustakas, guys that, you know, seem like surefires. I still believe in them, but at the same time, I have to pick the guys that are producing. Yeah. Uh, I think Madrigal over guys like Muncy and Mustakas would really ruffle some feathers, but I'm just that high on Madrigal. I think he is a, a legitimate, you know, 330 perennial batting title contender, going to chip in lots of steals. And sooner or later – they should have him leading off. I, I think he is the leadoff hitter for that team, or at least the two-place hitter. If you yeah. want to lead off Anderson or uh, Luis Robert, uh, I think Madrigal's you know barrel awareness and just bat control is better than anyone you'll ever find. You can easily put hit and run on with him. Just a really special player. Yeah. I'm starting to buy in a little bit. I wasn't at the beginning because it seemed like it was just another failed uh, first-round pick for Rick Hahn, but this might be the first one that he hit on, so um, that's exciting. Uh, Rick Hahn, the general manager of the yeah. White Sox. So, All right, so that's the well, – now it's top 12. I, I added Keston Hiera at number 9, Max Muncy at number 10, and uh, Mike Mustak is at number 11. Just And I, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll add Jose Altuve at number 12 because, yeah. Just to piss off the hey, game. I will gladly pick up a 12th-ranked Jose Altuve in next year's draft. Yeah, and pair him up. I would love pair, that value. Pair him up with a second, uh, uh, a younger second baseman. Like, uh, well, yeah, this list is going to be outdated, so it doesn't matter. But that's the world of second base, according to Sean Flannery. Interesting look. So, yeah, I, I try to start my rankings early, usually after the World Series. Uh, I'll, I'll start looking at prospects for next season. Uh but, yeah, and I also got, you know, with the baby uh, on board, I have to find a more efficient way to make these rankings because I go all in on these rankings, going team by team and, and depth chart by depth chart. But uh, I'll tell you this, man, I don't think I could do with that uh, going into the 2021 season, so I'll have to adapt. Again, no excuses. We just want yeah. results, right? And maybe, you know what, Sean? I may just ask for your help this year. If you go don't for mind. it. So, hell, yeah. All right. It's good to have allies. <laughs> All right. What's the next thing on the docket here? Is going to be uh, your uh, your power rankings. <laughs> yes. All right, yes. So, He's excited so about this, writer. guys. He's so excited about this. Well, yeah, it's the return, right? It's like, there's the you know the the Derrick Rose return that never happened, and then there's a return of uh, well, back in 2013, 2014, around that when I was at my sports writing peakness, I guess I was writing for XNSports.com, and I would do. Uh, monthly uh, power rankings. And I used to call them FUBAR rankings. And for those in the military, you all know what FUBAR means. It's, excuse the vernacular here, but it's uh, fucked up beyond all recognition. And that was the point, is to have a more statistical-driven 
outlook because you know most power rankings they're not really there's nothing powerful about them it's just basically people uh opining about who the top 30 teams are right there's nothing there's no statistical data well i use the statistical data for this except that i've used i was using the advanced stats from fan graphs which is more um predictive in nature than actual um uh, production uh to measure production it's more like field independent pitching is a big one that i like to use yep. and that's basically an abstract stat that um that only accounts for a pitcher's uh, controlling of strikeouts, walks, and home runs, and a little bit of uh, a field. You know, that's why it's called field independent. What does this pitcher do if there were no fielders behind him? So a lot of pitchers with five ERAs are having three FIPs. Well, it's measured along with, uh, with uh, on an ERA scale. So that caused a lot of uproar with the people. You know, they used to get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, flack for that, but it got too much time consuming as I was trying to get it more and more complicated as I was receiving feedback from people left and right. And at the end, it just wasn't any fun anymore. I think at one year people were making fun of me back in 2015 because the Cleveland Indians ended up in second place to finish the season. But we all know what happened in 2016. They went on to the world series. So <laughs> uh, also I used my little method here to predict the 2016 world series where I had the Chicago Cubs winning it all. And, well, not me, but the Fangraphs numbers did. So, there is some method to the madness here. There is some. Uh, there is some. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Some predictive nature yes. in all of this. But here they are, back by unpopular demand. My Fubar rankings. <laughs> I, I no longer call them Fubar. I just simply call them MLB rankings, and these are based on stats, and they're all weighted. So, I believe I twenty-five percent waited for the offense 35 percent to starting pitching because i i have the playoffs in mind here sean so yes. yeah relief pitching gets 30 percent and 10 percent for fielding because I, as i learned the hard way no one gives a shit about fielding until you know <laughs> they really don't until lucas duda has to make throw out eric hosmer first to home in the game five of the world or game four of the world series yep and then people start caring <laughs> but no i mean otherwise you know people wouldn't be bitching about ozzy smith and bill mazeroski being in the hall of fame <laughs> So that's why it's only 10% of the score because, you know, pitching always beats offenses, right? And it's and I and I somehow was able to do it by division. So there's the NL West, the NL Central, the NL East, and we'll start with the uh with the NL West here, the National League West. Dodgers and Padres at the, at the top. Uh just like in real life, no arguments there. The Giants are surprising some folks with their Rinky Dink lineup, the D-backs uh, sucking like I predicted, and the Rockies sucking like I predicted earlier this year. Um, what do you think there about? The I mean, Matthew Mike Yastrzemski is a legitimate MVP candidate that won't get any MVP votes, and oh, it's yeah. kind of sad. Um, another storyline there is Evan Longoria's uh, kind of resurgence back to relevance. Um, I actually went and looked at his uh, baseball savant page, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the batted ball data is all up. Exit velocity is as high as it's been in a couple of years. Um, actually, it's the highest in the StatCast era, so post-2015. Uh, exit velocity of 91.5 miles an hour. Uh, highest XBA of the StatCast era. He's got a 308 XBA, so he's kind of – he's earning a lot of his success. He only has the 786 OPS because he's posting a, a very, very low – 4.7 walk rate which um 
Last year, he was at 8.5%, but obviously wasn't having near the success as he was this year. And he's never been someone who's walked a lot. He's always had good plate discipline, but not one of those guys who actually uses it to draw walks and get on base. But at 34 years old, I'm, I'm kind of glad to see Evan Longoria having some form of a resurgence. Uh, recently passed the 300 home run mark. Congratulations to him. Uh, good to see you know a bit of a bounce back from him. Always a good guy. Yeah, and I think the other issue is, let's face it, it's San Francisco. I mean, I think he's adapted very well to his surroundings. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not as bad on right-handed hitters as it is lefties, but it, it is still very much a pitcher's park. Yeah, that's the, that's the big problem there. I'm just Don't mind me. I'm just trying to adjust for the size. I don't know if it's big enough or not. I should be. I'll go back to the original size here. Okay. Anyway, sorry about that, guys. Uh, so, really quick. So, I'm highlighting the what I call the weighted score because I don't know what else to call it, but yeah, it's 25, 24, 15, and the grade, which you know we've all been to school. It's based out of a, a, a simple math. It's based off 100. So the highest score you can get on this thing is 30, right? So the Dodgers are have the highest grade, which is like like a, like a B, 85.3 percent, but that's the highest grade on this list. So yeah, it's gonna be pretty interesting to see if 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 uh, any team's gonna ever hit the 90 percent mark but so far the Dodgers are the class of Major League Baseball this season so which is I think what a lot of us expected and what's funny about that is would anyone have expected the Dodgers offense to you know still I mean we probably thought it'd be good regardless but of all there's six qualified hitters on that team uh, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, AJ Pollock, Cody Bellinger, and Max Muncy all of them except one are um above 100 when it comes to WRC plus uh, the one person that's below it is Cody Bellinger at 89 who has a 212 291 418 slash line um, has really struggled to get going uh, both him and Max Muncie Max Muncie actually has a slightly higher WRC plus but that's with the uh, much higher walk rate so he's got a better on base but he's hitting on the interstate at 194 but uh, Mookie Betts and Corey Seager have really you know driven that offense of that team uh, some other things I wanted to point out about this chart. Uh, if it's red, more than if it, you know it's highlighted this red hue or whatever, it's most likely these teams finish in the top ten of each category. If it's blue like this, like the D-backs and Rockies, that's bottom ten uh, compared to all thirty teams. So, yeah, you know, bottom ten in run differential, bottom ten in win percentage, bottom ten in uh, the grade that I'm giving, twenty nine percent out of a hundred. So, yeah. Um, these teams are getting exposed, but you know I want to make sure I highlight the the teams in, all in red who are having fantastic years, including the Giants. They're one game over 500, and who had them being one game over 500? It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is uh, very impressive what they've been able to do. National League Central right here in this purple-violet hue here. The Brewers are supposed to be, uh, you know, the class of that division at 19 and 22. Uh, I know people are kind of throw up because, you know, obviously the Cubs and, – and as you guys can see, this is all based on a stat from Thursday. So I, I, I compiled this chart back on Thursday, uh, September 10th. And the Cubs, yeah, they lead the division in wins, 26-19 and 19 at that point of the season. Uh, but according to this chart, the Brewers should be uh, at the top. And uh, they might it, – it's, it's like a team to worry about as the season winds down. They might, they might have the ability to, ability to – give a late stage resurgence at the end uh, as the Brewers do make me nervous. Their starting rotation and their bullpen is out of this world. 
right yeah, there. Yeah, and who would have thought that at the beginning of the year that their uh, rotation would have been, you know, as good as it's been. And they've done a lot of weird things, you know. They have a couple of starters that they've put into the bullpen, but then when their first outing, once they come out of the rotation, they go, you know, four innings. They've done that with uh, Freddie Peralta. Corbin Burns has made the full-time transition back to starting pitching, and it is working wonders. Um, he's pitching to a 1.99 ERA. I want to say that's top five in baseball right now. Um, over a 12.5K per nine. Um, he's getting by on a, a pretty lucky 2.9 home run to fly ball percentage. So due for some regression there. But uh, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns have formed uh, quite the nasty duo at the top of that rotation. Um, we saw Brent Suter, uh, mm-hmm. kind of the soft tosser. He had a uh, quite the adventure on the mound last night. I'm not sure if you caught the video where he uh, he fell and did like the complete somersault flip on top of the mound, and then he just stood right back up, like in the ready position with the ball in his glove. It was uh, quite funny to watch. Um, Josh Josh Hader, you know, in the bullpen, finally had his uh, first real hiccup yesterday, giving up four hits and four runs. And I'm pretty sure, like, going into that game, he hadn't allowed four hits all season. Um, and then he, like, doubled it right there. But the real person to talk about in that uh, Brewers bullpen is Devin Williams. Yeah. Throwing this god-awful pitch. I don't – they were calling it a change-up, but it's got, like, a spin rate of, like, close to 3,000. So it it's like a, it's a screwball. I mean, there's it's a sidearm screwball. I don't know how else to describe it. He's got an eighteen point four seven K per nine, uh, one of the highest uh, strikeout percentages in baseball. I want to say it might be the highest, and he's pitching to a point four seven ERA. I think you're going to see Josh Hader traded um, quickly in the offseason yeah. due to the emergence of someone like Devin Williams. Really quick, I, I told Cup fans, look out for the Brewers starting rotation. And then people are like, who are we worried about in the starting rotation? And then you mentioned all those guys, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. And we saw Corbin, we were watching Corbin Burns uh, at the uh, second game of the season, I believe, against the Cubs. And even though he only pitched about four innings, I mean, he had some good lightning stuff right there. Yeah. And in in the, the kind of the weird piece in that rotation is um, – you have Brett Anderson and Josh Lindbaum who have been at the back of it and have really struggled. But the guy in the middle, the the three starter, Adrian Hauser, who I really do like, throws yeah. hard. He's a lot like Brandon Woodruff. He has an ERA close to five and a half, which a lot of people are going to go, whoa, I don't want to touch that. Yeah. But his XFIP is actually 385, which would put him closer to Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, who have e- XFIPs of 3.2 and 3.5. If you um, just tell people what XFIP is really quick. XFIP is going to be, as Felipe explained, fielding independent pitching is, you know, strikeouts, walks, home runs. XFIP does its best to regulate the amount of home runs. So it doesn't take your net total of home runs. It looks at your home run to fly ball percentage and compares it to league average uh, because allowing home runs on fly balls is very much a fluid thing. It often changes year to year. Um, and just like I said earlier with Corbin Burns, who's at 2.9 home run to fly ball percentage, which is extremely low, which is why his XFIP goes up. Meanwhile, Adrian Hauser has a 28.6 home run to fly ball ratio. And this is coming from a guy who has a 63% ground ball rate. <laughs> 
So that's obviously not right because he's he's a ground ball pitcher, but is giving up loads of home runs. There's a little bit of a discrepancy in there. So those home runs are destined to come down. Um, he has an average exit velocity of 86 miles against him, which is actually lower than Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. So he's a guy the strikeouts might not be as high as someone like Woodruff or Burns because he doesn't have the plus secondaries that they do now, but um, definitely somebody to keep an eye on, um, especially as he, he's one of those you have to look past the five-and-a-half ERA because he, that's not it's not descriptive of what he's actually doing this year. Yeah, and I, I you know, like I said, I warned them, but nobody took it seriously, and now the Brewers are biting at our heels. The Reds are still in it. The Cardinals are in it. Uh, Cubs are kind of in trouble. As you can see, the starting rotation is pretty solid. The bullpen is a little bit surprising there. And they're fielding. I mean, we, we know how good the Cubs fielding. I mean, they've got versatile pieces all over the, the, uh, the field there. Offense is struggling a little bit. But I, I, people like to uh, bury the Cubs. But uh, they're not so bad. They're, they're actually pretty darn good. But um, so uh, I'm just worried about the Cubs bullpen. It's always a worry, yeah. but I mean, and I feel independent pitching suggests otherwise uh, here with the uh, relief pitching rankings. Uh, they're middle of the pack, so yeah. if they can just be in the middle of the pack and continue to reinvent that bullpen. Maybe they might go places, but compared to the Brewers, uh, the Brewers seem to have the pitching uh, loaded up there, and yeah. so do the Reds, but the Reds haven't done anything with that starting rotation. And Remember, the Reds were everybody's darling. Yeah, that's uh, – I don't know what's happened to the Reds. It's – I mean, it's been something wild to watch. I mean, a lot of their offense has just kind of been hit or miss. It's, you know, Joey Votto's kind of been up and down. Um, the import that they brought over from Japan, Akiyama, has kind of struggled to adjust, and he's been more of a – just a slap hitter. Um, it's – it's. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's – a career year from Jesse Winker, but now he's dealing with a back injury. So it seems like the worst things are happening to the Reds at the completely worst time. Let's move on to the uh, NL East. Uh, your team, the Mets, uh, laughably in first place, according to these rankings, above the Braves. And this is why the Braves, uh, although I'll admit Ian Anderson was really fun to watch last night. Uh, I didn't yeah. watch the whole game, but I know the first four or five innings, he was just baffling Nationals uh, hitters, but this is a big problem for the Braves. A contending team for the Braves is that they're ranked very low with their starting rotation right here. This yeah, I mean, that's low. because they've had Tommy Malone make three starts and be terrible. But um, they've also had a lot of injuries, too. Oh, they? yeah. I mean, they lost Mike Soroka for the year. Max Freed is coming back from the injured list this weekend, or next weekend, I guess, next week. Um, they, But this is kind of what I said, and I've been saying for the Braves for a long time, is they've had all of these top pitching prospects, you know, Soroka, Freed, Kyle Wilson, Bryce Wilson, Ian Anderson. Um, I'm forgetting a couple. And it's like you throw them all against the wall and a couple of them are going to stick. Um, yeah. And I think out of the group of Anderson, Wright, and Wilson, Anderson's going to be the one that sticks. That changeup is just deadly. And his command so far has been really good. And that's one thing I always like to see when a young pitcher comes up is, is he going to hurt himself more than the opposing team hurts him? Because if you're going to walk guys as a young pitcher, the offenses at the major league level are too good. Yeah. And whether 
you give up a base hit that inning. If you walk two guys and they have a couple of productive outs, then guess what? You just gave up a couple of runs. Um, so it's one of those I, I like to see it, um, that changeup. Ever since his debut against the Yankees, I've kind of been like punching myself because it's like, dang it, they finally got one of those pitchers to stick. <laughs> and um, he's looked great. And really quick, the Mets are in first place of this division because of their hitting. Michael Conforto having a breakout year, but J.D. Davis, uh, you know me, man. If there's a Mets player available on the waiver wire, I want him on my team. You know, Brandon Nemo has having a decent season last I checked. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, his strikeouts are down. His walks are up. He, he's McNeil the same already. 250, 260 hitter. We talked about McNeil earlier. Uh, he's back over almost a 320. When you look at the top five WRC pluses in baseball right now, um, there's two Mets. Uh, of course, the, the timeless wonder leads baseball. Nelson Cruz is number one. Mike Trout's number two. Freddie Freeman at three is at 176. Michael Conforto is at 173. And then tied for fifth are Dominic Smith and Trey Turner. Dominic Smith actually leads all of baseball in doubles. And I want to say is second in slugging. Oh, he's third in slugging behind Mike Trout and Nelson Cruz at 641. He's having a fantastic year. Um, and he was someone who really we weren't sure if he was going to be on the Mets roster. Uh, going into the season, even before the pandemic hit. Um, he was being shopped a lot to the to the Brewers. The Brewers were very interested in him. When the season started, he wasn't even a starter. Yoannis Cespedes was the DH, and Dom Smith was on the bench. Um, and now fast forward, Dom Smith has a 328, 393, 641 slash line. Um, Yoannis Cespedes opting out might have been the best thing that could have happened for this team. Because we're seeing oh, just sure. – in, in Dominic Smith, people always forget because, you know, Pete Alonso had such the such a great year last year, was Dominic Smith was a much more highly rated prospect than Pete Alonso. Much more. Dominic Smith was a top 25, top 30 prospect. Um, and he isn't, you know, the, a 40 home run power threat. That's not his game. It's never been his game. He's just got one of those kind of sweet swinging lefty I, – I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but he's putting the ball in play gap to gap, leading the league in doubles, even though he's kind of a bigger guy and he's just doing what he does. So I'm happy to see good things come for Dom. Here's still on this side on my end. And then finally he got the opportunity that he finally deserved. And like you said, Cespedes addition by subtraction. This team should be a lot better than the two clubs on, on the bullpen. That's a problem. When your team is uh, defensively ranked lower than the Cubs, that's another problem, right? I mean, yeah. They've, I think that's really they, the difference. And they've had – it's been very much – Andres Jimenez has, you know, almost completely supplanted Ahmed Rosario at shortstop. Uh, Jimenez is probably the best defender on the entire roster, him and Guillaume. Um, Guillaume, they just don't want to play, even though he's hit well and he can catch bats with his bare hands in a dugout and just act cool about it. Um Defense is going to be the, the issue going forward. I think as the NL is going to have the DH next year, I think that's a given. I think the DH is here to stay. Um, Dom Smith at first base. Pete Alonso is your DH. Um, Jimenez up the middle. You, you find a catcher next year. Um, they, they're going to improve defensively. They're never going to be a great defensive team, but they can be a good defensive team, or at least a, a you know fundamentally sound defensive team. Again, obviously, I can't 
I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, but you know, the Mets uh, starting rotation, mostly because of Jacob DeGrom here. Phillies, we talked about it off the air. Uh, Aaron Nola, Zach Gufflin, and Zach Wheeler, Zach Attack. They're ranked really high up there. I think they might be got yeah, top three, perhaps. We'll see. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and Wheeler's one of those we're starting to see. I, you know, I predicted that going to Philadelphia would be great for him, especially with JT Romuto uh, behind the plate, um, as he's just been one of the best pitch framers in baseball the last few years. And the weird thing with Zach Wheeler this year is he's posted a career low in strikeouts per nine, but he is just getting ground balls and loads of weak contact. Average 86.2 exit velocity against him. And he's not walking, guys. He's posting the lowest uh, walks per nine, 1.59. He's always been a, a pretty good control pitcher and since he's come back from Tommy John, um, posting 2.7 and 2.3 the last two years. But um, Zach Wheeler, everyone always used to say, oh, he throws so hard, he should strike more guys out. I think he's found his niche where he's not going to be a huge strikeout guy, even though he has the pitches to do it. He's going out there and he's getting outs and he's going deep into ball games. And a 2.47 ERA right now, that would be a career best for him if the season were to end right now. And he's at 51 innings pitched over eight games started. Quickly move to the American League. I made it super big just uh, so it could be friendlier on people who are using tablets and cell phones and smartphones. Start with the American League East. The Rays are the class of the American League at 83 uh, percent uh, grade, a little bit below the Dodgers. Dodgers. Oh, Dodgers! Yankee <laughs> fans are wallowing in despair right now, but don't fret. The numbers like the Yankees, uh, even though they're 22 and 21, and, and Vince is ready to set fire like a like in California and Oregon. Please be safe out there on the West Coast. But Vince Mercandetti, Dong City tomorrow, guys. Uh, is ready to burn it down, but not quite yet. They, their rotation's pretty good. The relief pitching is not, it's kind of on a dip. I'm kind of surprised that they lo- that they scored low, but, I mean, nothing lasts forever, does it, Pony Boy? So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's the Yankees. The Blue Jays, uh, offensive score, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, and they are playing in a minor league ballpark, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it is weighted runs created plus, so it does account for ballpark factor. Relief pitching was very surprising to see that they were ranked high up there. You're going to have to help me on that one. Um, they've they've but. used a lot of their minor league starting pitching prospects. So yeah. we've seen guys like Anthony Kay, who was viewed as a starter almost universally. Um, he made a couple of starts for the Blue Jays down the stretch. And they've had this thing where guys like Tanner Roark and Chase Anderson, they're only going four innings. They're, yeah. they're facing a lineup two times through, and then uh, Charlie Montoya is pulling them, and that was kind of in the news last week. I want to say it was t- he pulled Tanner Roark after four innings, and Roark had only given up, I think, one or two runs, and he pulled him at, after four innings and like 70 pitches, and then he went to the bullpen, and the bullpen's just gotten it done, and they've done it all without their best arm, Ken Giles, who yeah. um, did just come back from the injured list. But they've gotten by with just a bunch of nobody names really in that bullpen, and uh, kudos to them for making it work. Yeah, I, I, like I just it. I do want to mention since we uh, glossed over the Rays very fast, um, we always talk about how if the Rays call you trying to make a trade, hang up the phone. <laughs> um, in which they some of these have looked really well. Um, their trade with the Cardinals, Jose Martinez. 
when they got uh, Randy Arozarena. He is he's only had 30 plate appearances, but he has a 211 weighted runs created plus. Um, he's smacking the ball. But the one trade that the Rays have unequivocally lost is the deal that acquired them Hunter Renfro. Mm. Hunter Renfro, you know, has the prodigious right-handed power. He's a behemoth of a man. Yeah. But he's batting 160, um, 234, 420. It's a 74 weighted runs created plus, so 26% below league average. And the player to be named later in that deal, because the Rays also gave up C.J. Abrams when they did that. Um, or, no, they got C.J. Abrams, I'm sorry. They, they gave up Tommy Pham as well. But the player to be named later that the Rays sent to the Padres in that deal is National League Rookie of the Year favorite, probably, Jake Cronenworth. Oh, snap, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, AJ AJ Preller might have pulled a fast one on the Rays, guys. I think the Rays have finally lost a trade. Hey, you know what? The Padres, uh, they've hired – I know when, once they hired Dave Cameron from Fangraphs, I knew that they were set for life, so you know, that's what you get. Uh, <laughs> There's a good have? old 26-year-old rookies winning Rookie of the Year. You got to love it. Oh, man. Hey, he, Jake Cronenworth has saved all three of my baseball teams this season at second base, and he's multiple uh, – has multiple eligibility at – shortstop and first base last night yeah he, he's played first second short third he's like played everywhere it's amazing i love it he's the new ben zobrist how many times do we say that in a given baseball year and this again, guy's the next ben zobrist and we talked about him uh we i think we did talk about him in this on this uh on this platform on this podcast hey guys there's this kid from san diego and he's gonna he, he batted play. 330 in the international league last year he might be good base, <laughs> look at his baseball savant page it's all red and 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 here i go in willy-nilly i give everybody a day to really think about it i even dropped him in my in my points league yeah and i told you good that was i said go pick him back up <laughs> which i did once he cleared waivers and i you know but you know it was either him or wilmore flores and i and i went with wilmore flores he got me 30 points but i figured you know what he's he seems to be playing every other day so let me pick up Cronenworth and it's it's just you, put you him know, in a lineup and forget about it. I mean, you know fine. why you wanted to drop Cronenworth. You know why you uh, okay. subconscious. He's left-handed. <laughs> God damn it, Felipe! <laughs> yeah. In my head already. I mean, well, I mean, you guys. No, I mean, you guys. We're on the telepathic plane over here. Get to our <laughs> level. Anyway, uh, the Orioles. Nothing. I mean, one thing I like to talk about the Orioles is that they've been pretty good about um, having sneaky hitters. I know people talk about picking up – I mean, Bushnell talked about picking Anthony Santander. there. Uh, yep. I picked up DJ Stewart just sitting there in the Fentrax League. This is supposed to be a Oh, yeah, he league. homered in like four straight games. It was a little ridiculous. Like, I'll take him. I know regression's coming his way, but I always like DJ Stewart uh, uh, as a low-level outfield. And at this point uh, of the season, uh, I might just catch lightning in a bottle and see what happens next week in the playoffs. So, uh, And the Red Sox just suck, so <laughs> – Probably the yeah. most interesting division. It in sucks to see Santander go out, you know, with the oblique injury for the year. He had 11 home runs. Yeah. Um, and he, he's one of those. He's perfect. Th this Rays line – or not Rays. Orioles right. lineup seems to have a style in which they're going to strike out. They're not going to walk that much. No. But they have pop. Almost every hitter in that lineup – like even Ho even Jose Iglesias this year slugging 469. He doesn't have a home run, but he's hitting a lot of doubles and extra base hits. But uh, Ryan Mountcastle, the promotion of him, um, he's already got four home runs in his first 80 plate appearances, batting 368. Mm -hmm. um, obviously a little inflated, 420 bad, but we'll do that. 
Um, but he's the top prospect that's hit at every level in the minor league. So the parks that they play in, in the American league East with the lineup, they're trying to build. I kind of like it. It's very much a low floor offense, but it's got a pretty high ceiling when everything's clicking. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. They have interesting players. And Renato Nunez having another, you know, 40, 30 home run pace season. He's already got 10 home runs in 40 games. So they they found guys with power. It'll be interesting to see what they do because when they were just playing the Mets, um, like their entire lineup or like seven of the nine guys in their lineup were all waiver wire acquisitions over the last like two years. Um, Rio Ruiz, Renato Nunez, Hanser Alberto, all of these guys they got off of waivers, which I thought was impressive that, you know, they've taken them and turned them into, you know, serviceable starters. Even Pedro Severino and uh, yeah, Severino, yeah. Become viable catchers. So, Severino was another waiver pro, uh, pick. I still hate the Orioles because they make my life miserable every winter, but I'll give them props. They, they, they caught lining it up. They're, they're competitive. And uh, they're somewhat competitive. I mean, they still suck. But, yeah, I mean, they're, hey, listen, 53% grade uh, where the Blue Jays are at 58% and their Blue Jays are ready to make the playoffs. That, that's, that speaks volumes for the, for the Orioles. So I'll give them their props this year. Uh, the most interesting division, the AL Central. I mean, you have three teams right here grading at above 60%. The White Sox are the class of that division, but the Indians and the Twins are right there within striking distance. Uh, the wins and losses are – I mean, they're, they're, it's, a, it's a bottleneck, yeah. you know? Uh, the run differentials are pretty high up there, although the White Sox are, you know, have a big advantage there, but it's, it's not like these guys are negative. But these teams are legit. When you put the Indians or the Twins in the American League West, I think they would have a better time about it uh, than they do in the uh, AL Central. But the only bad thing about the White Sox is their starting rotation. I mean, outside of Lucas Giolito, it's been frustrating to watch guys like Dylan Tease and Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, Dallas Keuchel is hurt for the moment, so kind of concerned about him a little bit. Um, I forgot who else is on that team. It's been because uh, it seems like they're just Dane Dunning's another guy. They just keep bringing in guys. I heard that yeah. they're bringing up the number six prospect up to pitch today. I forgot his name oh. already. Oh, I don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah, uh, look it up for me if you can, please. Otherwise, if I do it, my computer goes haywire. But uh, <laughs> uh, bullpen has been very good, even though Aaron Bummer. Is there. Uh, Evan Marshall has stepped in and becoming the, the fireman, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, fielding is a lot better than the years past, despite the fact that Aloy Jimenez is playing. But I think this has a lot to do with Luis Gobert uh, just playing all three outfield positions at Sunday. <laughs> it's, it's really been fun to watch when I see the highlights of, like, he just sprints over to left field and will just camp right in front of Eloy Jimenez. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we talked about the, the Twins having a, a, a potent lineup. Well, the White Sox can say, here's our potent lineup right here at 7.25 offensive score. So uh, it seems to be the real deal. It's not just uh, a bunch of young guys kind of catching lightning in a bottle. This, I mean, you talk about Nick Magical already, and he's only been here for such a short amount of time. He's already made an impact on that team. It seems like this team – this is why people make fun of, of, of acquiring veterans and paying all this big money to create them. When Dallas Keuchel went out uh, to the team, and they also, he also went to the media as well to address the team, saying there's a lot of hot-dogging out there. There's a lot of people not taking this shit seriously. It, it spoke volumes. Like, yeah. people understood. And, yeah, Dallas Keuchel is a World Series champion under murky, question, questionable affairs. He's still a champion, and, and he demands respect. That's big. That goes into the, the, the money that you pay these free agents. That's why people, oh, Jason Hayward's overrated or he's overpaid. 
Well, first of all, he hit a bomb off of Josh Hader, the best left-handed pitcher in all of baseball. And he helped win a World Series championship with veteran leadership. You, yeah. Intangibles, right? Oh, Felipe, all you care is about the numbers. Well, I'm telling you, these are the intangibles that you put into the, to the stock of a player's free agent money. This is what you get. You get a, a White Sox team who is way, way advanced for a, for, for most, uh, for a younger team in competing for these playoffs. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, like kind of the veteran intangibles, we glossed over it, but uh, one of the acquisitions the uh, Mets had at the trade deadline was bringing back Todd Frazier. And before August ended, the Mets, you know, were, I think, the last or second to last team with runners in scoring position. It's why they had one of the best WRC pluses, one of the best batting averages on base percentages in baseball, but they were middle of the pack in the league in runs because they weren't hitting with runners in scoring position. Next thing you know, Todd Frazier comes in, and in the first two weeks of September, the Mets have the highest batting average with runners in scoring position. Like, it, he's a magician. Pete Alonso had a bit like a 10-day resurgence uh, where you hit five home runs in a streak of, like, eight or nine games, he was using Todd Frazier's bat. It's like, why would you ever get rid of this guy? To <laughs> like, you know, a lot of Mets fans, you know, hate it on Todd because he has, like, the ugliest swings. and But it, he's, like, one of those yeah. great clubhouse guys where it's like oh, he, steps, he steps into the room and it's like everyone relaxes. I, he steps yeah. into the dugout. I'm not sure what he's yelling at the batters when they have a runner on second. I'm not sure if he's just like, go get him, man. Like everybody loves every, everyone can hit now with the runners in scoring position. And I, I'm not going to say it's because of Todd Frazier, but it's definitely because of Todd Frazier. <laughs> there's some, a little bit of uh, correlation. I don't know if it's causation, but it, 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 listen, man, people love Todd Frazier. I remember when something happened to him in a white sex universe, he got hit by a pitch or a line drive went into the dugout and it hit Todd Frazier. Hawk Harrelson, who's like 80 years old, threatened to run all the way from the broadcast booth to the dugout to check on him because, you know, Hawk Harrelson is a doctor or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, that, I mean, people love him. And, and you know, Todd Frazier is the reason that he listened to some of, the, uh, some of the Latino players in the White Sox a long time ago, especially Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu kind of complained about Drake LaRoche being in the dugout with the Adam LaRoche and, and what they call oh, that was Ho- that was Jose Abreu that was grumbling about it. I never knew that. There is some. Well, well keep in mind, Jose Abreu he doesn't have that luxury. He yeah. can't bring his kid. His his kid's in Cuba. Yeah, you know, he can't bring family members. His family's yeah. in Cuba. He's all by himself. And uh, you know, but you know, it, it's it's a it's a baseball locker room. You know, yeah, baseball dressing room. Oh, so I, I I managed to find uh, the starter for the White Sox today. Um, he's twenty three year old Jonathan Stever. A fifth it, round yeah. draft pick from 2018 who hasn't pitched above high A ball. So you're ready, we, kid. We, we, we've three. seen this so many uh, with the Marlins, especially. The Marlins have used yeah. like 30 some odd pitchers this year due to their COVID outbreak and everything. And like, uh, what was his name? Humberto Mejia. He hadn't pitched above just A ball. And I'm just like, and you're starting to see all these games with really high run totals. And it's, it makes you wonder if like teams are just running out of pitchers. And it's just like, oh, oh You've pitched on a mound before. Go out there and get shelled. I mean, Jordan Yamamoto getting stuck with like twelve <laughs> earned runs in that twenty-nine to nine game. Oh God, that was just brutal. And then he, then the game ends. Okay, go back to the alternate site. You're done for the week. <laughs> You're done. Nice job, kid. Thanks for sacrificing. Here's your reward. Yeah, eighty really pitches over two innings. <laughs> to finish up the Animal Rose story, so so there was like. The rumor has always been Jose Abreu was the one who had the most to say about it. And he's complained to Robin Ventura, who was the manager at the time. He tried to complain to Rick Khan and Kenny Williams. And they're not listening to Jose, even though he's supposed to be a clubhouse leader, right? Yeah. Well, Todd Frazier, remember, he gets brought in, a uh, free agency or a trade or whatever. 
and Tom Frazier sees all this and probably did take Jose Abreu's uh, message to heart. But, you know, Todd Frazier, you, you said it yourself. In order to be a likable guy, you got to do some, you know, R-rated stuff in the locker room, I'm, I'm yeah. imagining. And having a 13-year-old kid every single day, every single day there's a kid there eavesdropping and, and, and his daddy's right there. And it, it got <laughs> annoying. And, and, and there was a contingent uh, of uh, three players that were on Team LaRoche. And that was Adam LaRoche, obviously. Uh, Chris Sale. We all know what happened to Chris Sale yeah. at that season as well. You know, it became Edward Scissorhands that season. <laughs> And uh, Adam Eaton, who went on the air on a local sports radio station when, when they decided that Drake LaRoche had to go. Adam Eaton went on the air that weekend to state how much of a clubhouse leader Drake LaRoche was. <laughs> it was cultish. And good riddance. And, and I'll, I'll always be thankful for Todd Frazier for that. He's a good guy. I've always liked him. I don't like his productivity, but – if, if, um, hey, he crushes you know, left-handed pitching, so if you need a daily streamer in a lineup, pick Todd Frazier versus a lefty. <laughs> I mean, well, he's, facing, what, it, he's facing Ryu today, so I want to be shocked if he's in the lineup. Well, I'll tell you what. If, if, if Todd Frazier can come back as an assistant coach, I'll take him. He seems to be a yeah. very likable, rah-rah kind of guy, which every clubhouse needs, apparently. So. Well, it's a uh, – I know we're rambling here, but the Mets are playing the Blue Jays right now, yes. and apparently – uh, Bo Bichette, you know, his dad, Dante Bichette, um, has actually been named a hitting coach, hitting – he's not the hitting coach, but um, yeah. th- what they called him on the air was the, the hitting guru. Apparently, he was spending so much time around the team and just, like, he was giving pointers to everyone. And so when it came time where they had to, you know, name the 100 people that is allowed in the stadium on game day, they named Dante Bichette. And so he's just been hanging out giving hitting tips to the players because they they picked him up on the cameras in the dugout last night. They're like, what? Awesome. why is Dante Bichette in the dugout? <laughs> By the way, interesting tidbit, Dante and Bo Bichette are one of four father-son duos to get their first hit at the same ballpark. I don't remember which ballpark it was, but there one last night. Uh, it was uh, Mike and Daz Cameron who shared that feat. They became one of four uh, father-son huh. duos to get their first hit. They doing it at the uh, at the new Comiskey Park now, known as Guaranteed Guaranteed Rate Field, or as I like to call it, Arrow Up Field, because of the you know the, the logos of Down Arrow or yeah. the arrows going <laughs> up on the White Sox. Uh, really quick to finish up the AL Central. Because, like you said, we're I don't want to see any uh, of those top three teams in the playoffs. I, I, if I'm the opposing team, I don't want to face any of those. The Indians have too good of pitching. Right now the, White the, White Sox, Sox. Like, the White Sox have too good of hitting. The White Sox remind me of the Twins last year. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the rotations kind of bled. The bullpens us. I think the Twins had a better bullpen last year, and they still have a great bullpen this year. Yeah. Um, I don't want to face any of those teams if I'm in the playoffs. Let's go to the American League West, and I want to just make sure and point out that I've never liked the A's as uh, – I mean, I do and I don't, but I definitely don't like their rotation. I never liked their rotation one bit. Their bullpen is basically their best feature on that team as they've been kind of being carried. The, uh, I think uh, the, the offensive score struggles because they do, uh, they do have le- uh, depth, but they don't have that, you know, that, that uh, superstar power outside of Matt Chapman and Matt Olsen. Uh, and – I mean, like you said, that the the bullpen is their best, their their highest. Uh, no question. Yeah, their uh, highest uh, 
pitcher of war actually belongs to Liam Hendricks at one. Uh, and like you said, they don't have the most uh, sexiest starting rotation, but it seems like they have the perfect rotation for their ballpark guys that yeah. you know are going to give up more loud contact, but they're going to take advantage of all that giant space at the Coliseum. Um, guys like Mania fires, uh, Chris Bassett has kind of really overperformed this year, but having a great season at a two nine two ERA. Um, the thing that I love about this A's team this year is it's the most A's team of all time. Uh, they're only batting 228, but they have they are in a virtual tie for first in walk percentage uh, at 11.2. The Rays are at 11.3, but you know that's neither here nor there. But it's like you look at all the the top hitters on this Oakland team, and it's like they all have walk percentages over 12%. Robbie Grossman, Mark Canna, Sean Murphy, the catcher, Matt Olson, and Ramon Laureano all have 12% or greater walk rates. And wow. the, bat, the batting averages are down, which is, you know, kind of odd with the, the giant outfield that they have there. They're all posting really low BABIPs. But um, yeah. that's another team. You know, they picked up Tommy LaStella, who has one of the funniest lines. He has a 9.6% walk rate and a 1.9% strikeout rate. So, uh, Tommy LaStella, you know, kind of is going to get definitely more playing time with Matt Chapman going down. Uh, they're a team to watch out for. They always seem to do better than their roster looks. So, we'll see. Uh, and really quick, uh, I know I'm going to get grief for the Angels being ranked ahead of the Astros despite the win-loss column. Really the Astros are only four wins better than the Angels. But the Angels, I believe, Dong City mentioned it again Monday nights. They did mention that the Angels uh, pounded the Astros this past weekend. So there you go. There's a reason for that. Uh, this is The offensive score is mostly because of Mike Trout. The bullpen's a little bit surprising, but I did check. They do have some decent arms. But, yeah, this is one where I'm, like, kind of scratching my head that the bullpen actually rated very high. Not just high, but top 10 good, um, which I, I, don't, I don't get it, but whatever. And the Astros, they're just on the downswing of things. They're, 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 this is a bad team here. Uh, even with all the players. But the injuries are starting to catch up to the Astros. They yeah. have no rotation that's outside of Zach Greinke. The bullpen has not been up to par like we've seen in the past. So, uh, And yet they still a, a, have a run differential of plus 10, which is remarkable. Well, you mentioned Kyle Tucker has basically saved the season. Yeah, Kyle Tucker came up huge for them. You know, Bregman's missed a lot of time, and yeah. Kyle Tucker completely filled that void. And, of course, no more garbage cans. So then yeah, no more garbage cans. But Kyle Tucker never – Kyle Tucker wasn't there, so he's he's uh, he doesn't, he's not dealing with the no trash can effect. He's not having to relearn how to pit a, hit, apparently. So. And that takes care of all the top 30 teams. Let me uh, zoom back out. I don't know zoom back, but – uh, let's see. Uh, let's play a little game. Lightning round. No, not the fan graphs, but this thing right here. Ah, I just closed out of it. <laughs> I suck. No, <laughs> I, I wanted to do a light. Now that we know what these teams are, are capable of, right, Sean? We, yes. we have a, a, a picture. Literally, we had a picture up of it, especially uh, of what these teams are capable of. Uh, let's look at the playoff picture really quick. Lightning, lightning round matchups. And we'll start with the Yankees and Rays. Who do you? Let's start with you, uh, Yankees and Rays. Uh, who do you like in that one? I'm, I'm going to take Rays. I, the Rays have overcome a lot this year. They've lost a lot of their bullpen to Tommy John surgery. Guys like Colin Poche, Andrew Kittredge, um, and they still just they keep throwing arms out there that are just succeeding. Josh Fleming. Josh Fleming was a guy I saw in Montgomery, and he was just like this kind of 
nobody lefty and he's he's doing well um I think that the Rays have better overall pitching and when you get to the postseason it's pitching that carries you all right uh so we go next one Indians and A's just like I said before pitching will carry you I'm going with the Indians yeah I think so too uh let's see what's the next one Astros and White Sox I think that one could be closer than people realize just because the Astros do have that postseason experience. They're not a team you want to face. Um, I think the White Sox bullpen is a giant handicap to them. I'm I'm not sure. Um, And they're pretty inexperienced back there. I'm not sure how much experience Alex Colome has in the the postseason. I might actually go for the upset with with the Astros there. Oh, wow. Yeah, even even with a a – you know, a makeshift uh, rotation. I like the Astros. All right. And you said the Indians, right? For the yes. Time. Okay. And then the Astros. I'm typing this up. I want to make sure okay. that we have it on record. Uh, on record. Can't, can't run away from it. Like, yeah, right. I mean, I mean, because we, we could say that we did this and we could do that, but it's always nice to have a record of things, right? And we're going to show what this is all made out of. Uh, last matchup is Blue Jays and Twins. Who do you like there? I like the Twins. Okay. Better relief pitching. And uh, I guess I'll go now. Uh, I'll take. Give me the the Rays. Uh, I'll take the Indians because, like I said, I don't trust the A's. I never trusted the A's. I I like the A's, but not like that. <laughs> and uh, as much as I like picking upsets, a good upset, I, I can't pick against the White Sox. And I think the Astros are, are – this is they're – not, they're not up for this season. They just aren't. So. And lastly, I'll take the Twins as well. As much as I want to take the upset, I can't. Yeah, I really want to pick the Blue Jays, but I, I can't bring myself to do it. All right. So the next matchup. So now, are they receding, or or is it just uh, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Is it like a reseed of things, or although I think we picked chalk on this one, so it doesn't really. Oh no, no, for the Astros. So would it, would it be the Rays and Astros, or is it the Rays and the Twins in the next um, round? It would be. I don't, I don't know how they're doing it, honestly. Uh, with higher seeds serving as the home team for all three games. So, I don't I don't know. Hmm. All right, let's just go with that. Let's go uh, Rays and Astros. Uh, who do you like in that one? Uh, I'll go Rays. I think they get their revenge this year. All right. And then, uh, what do you call it here? What's the next one? Uh, Indians and Twins, I believe? Yeah, I'll go Indians. I, I think their pitching is really going to carry them. All right. So let me type this up. So you picked – this is great, great – this is great for audio and stuff here. So you picked the Rays and Indians, right? Yes. Okay. And I will go – let's see, one through four, six. I, I kept the chalk, so I'll, I'll go with the Rays. And, uh, wow, the White Sox. Interesting. I'll go with the White Sox. I'm a big I'll, – I'll do the homer route for once in my life, so – <laughs> and then see how it fits uh, you. AL- <laughs> and then your ALCS champion. Who is it? Uh, I'm gonna go Indians. I I think they're wow. gonna I think they're gonna push their way through that starting rotation. Even after trading a guy like Mike Clevenger, like how many teams can brag that you know they trade Mike Clevenger? They're I mean going into the season he was right up there viewed probably even higher than Shane Bieber. Uh, you trade him and you're, you still have the, one of the best rotations in baseball. Yeah. All right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I'll go with the Rays. I've liked the Rays. Um, I don't know how long I've been liking the Rays, but it seems like they just, uh, they have the perfect uh, 
team every year for the long haul. I was kind of worried about them this season because it's such a shortened season. Uh, but if it was 162 games, I thought they were perfectly built for that 162-game season. But for this one, it looks like they've proven that they are also in it for the, for the sprint as well as the marathon aspect of things. So I will go with the Rays as your ALCS championship. So with that said, let's move on to the National League, starting out with the Dodgers and the Marlins. Uh, we're actually going to think that the Marlins are going to make the playoffs. According to this, <laughs> thing, don't, don't, uh, Dodgers, obviously. <laughs> the messenger here. All right. Just doing a little bit of formatting issues here. You know what? Let's do this. Okay. Next one is the Braves and the Giants. Look at that. We were just talking about the Giants. Uh, I don't know who I like there. Um, like I said, I think the seven and eight seeds change by the the, ten, the season ends. Um, and whether it's the Giants or whoever, I think I'd take the upset over the Braves. I think the Braves, their, their pitching is just too much of a mess. Rotation to bullpen, too young, not enough experience. Bullpen's shaky at best. Um, I, I don't like the Braves' chances. I mean, granted, their offense, they could just go out there and smash. Who If it's a team that goes out there with no pitching, then it's just going to be a hitting contest, and the Braves could win that. But uh, I'm going to go with the, the number seven seed, whether it's the Giants or another team from the Central. Um, I like the Giants there. All right. And then Cardinals and Cubs, who do you like there? Uh, I'm going to go Cardinals. I think they have the best kind of all-around balanced team probably in that bracket. And lastly, Phillies and Padres. Uh, Padres. I think the Padres are going to be a force to reckon with. Know what? I'm doing that open. Indians are seven seed. I thought they were the seven seed for some reason. Yeah, it's, it says the Indians are seven seed. So it should. Yeah, but then I had the. I believe I had the Rays and Astros facing off against each other, and you picked the Rays, right? Yeah, it was Indians. It ended up being Indians and Rays. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> All right, let, let's just. It's okay. Keep going. Really quick. Okay. Okay, so I got the Rays and the Indians and the ALDS. Who do you like there? Uh, Indians. Okay, so Rays are eliminated. Okay, so now yeah. Twins and Astros. Who do you like there? Twins. And then lastly, with the Twins with the home field advantage. Indians. Indians. And you like the Indians to be your yep. ALDS system. Thank you for that. And uh, I, I think I was chalk. No, I was not. So I, I messed up too. So Rays, Indians, I will pick the Rays. White Sox and Twins, I will pick the White Sox and Rays. To win. Okay, so it ends up being the same thing. Uh, and then uh, let's see, what else are we missing here? Oh, the NLCS or NLDS. Sorry about that. And let's make sure that I have these. Okay, so it looks like you got Dodgers. So you got the Giants, who are the seventh seed. The car. So it'll be Dodgers and Giants. Who do you like there? Dodgers. All right. And then the last matchup was Padres the, and Cardinals. Thank you, Padres and Cardinals. Padres. Padres. You like the Padres? Yep. So Dodgers and Padres. And then lastly, who do you like coming out of that? Padres. The Padres? Yeah, I'm picking Padres. Look at you, man. All right. The two and teams that have traded with each other several times over the last two seasons in the World Series, Indians and Padres. 
Yeah, good. good Mejia deal, Clevenger deal. Uh, lots of uh, moving parts between these two teams. And lots of uh, players facing their own teammates. There was a three-team trade as well with the Reds that, that brought Taylor Trammell to San Diego, right? Yeah. And Fran Mill Reyes back to Cleveland. Yes. It's amazing. Uh, I kept the chalk on my end. So, let's see. I got Dodgers at number one, Padres at number four. Unfortunately, I got to go with the Dodgers here. And then uh, who's the other one? Braves and Cubs. I will go with the Cubs. And this is a rematch of last decade's NLCS. Or so. I forgot which year. 2017, I believe. But uh, And I'll go with the Dodgers to represent Dodgers. the NLCS champs. And finally, who is winning the World Series between the Indians and the Padres? My head says Padres, but my heart says Indians. I think the Indians get one chip under the Lindor J-Ram and, uh, regime. And who knows? Maybe if Lindor wins a chip in Cleveland, he'll be more inclined to stay. Or at least Cleveland will be more inclined to pay him. Probably not going to happen, but I would be happy for the Cleveland crowd if they could win one chip under Lindor. Wow. What a, what starting pitching. Like? Starting pitching carries in the playoffs. What are you? Are, are you some sort of like sports writer and stuff? You're trying to get me interested about this? Or? I got all these hot takes. Hot takes. Uh, I will go with the Dodgers and the Andrew Friedman World Series Classic. Dodgers finally win one under Andrew Friedman, and they face off against their uh, against his former club, uh, the the Tampa Bay Rays, and that is how it's going to play out in this 2019 World Series. I do have a quick spreadsheet. I'm just making a little title here. You know what? Let's show the folks. Can you see that? Not the sexy for spreadsheets, but the one that we have. But a spreadsheet nonetheless. 2020 uh, MLB playoffs. And we're going to date it today because we don't hide from our mistakes <laughs> and our predictions. We have it on the freaking record right there, Sean. What do you think? I like it. I like it. Too. We might have to revisit it when we actually get the full seeds because I'm, I'm oh, not yeah. sure if the Giants and Marlins are actually going to make it there, but we'll see. Of course, yeah. I mean, we have that right to uh, edit as we go, right? Cause yeah, of course. Like you mentioned before, I think you mentioned the correct word right there. Everything's fluid. Yeah. Everything's fluid here. And that is the show, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Any last words for the people out there, Sean? Uh, nothing much. This went a little bit longer, but I had lots of fun doing it, and we talked about some stuff that we hadn't planned on, but I'm glad we did, like the second baseman and a little playoff preview, too, to add on top of it. So, uh Excited for next week as well. See, so, uh, I'll officially be eliminated today, which will be sad. But you know what that means? It's just time to get ready for next year. Yeah, you got to go all farmer's market on us uh, next week. I, I, want, I want a little bit of this young guy. I want a little bit of this 21-year-old <laughs> or 22-year-old. Uh, and then really quick, I uh, just wanted to point out that, yeah, we, I know we market ourselves as a fantasy baseball uh, podcast, but we're more of the uh, – unlike Dong City, we are more uh, – not, not to insult – we're not meaning to be insulting, but we're just trying to – uh, establish the differences between our baseball shows here. Dong City, uh, they have uh, a little bit more of, um, of a highlight reel type of thing with Roberto Martinez, uh, also an admin at the baseball group, uh, doing highlights while the while Henry and Vince talk and, and do their hot takes and and uh, <laughs> talk about uh, the, the week that was Major League Baseball. So it's a nice little recap show. Uh, something I want to do, Sean, before we go is uh, if this was if, – if our podcast were a rotisserie league, we'd be in dead last in – and plugging other shows. So I, <laughs> so I just want to 
point out and, and shout out to all the other podcasts because I know we're really bad at doing that. Uh, at least I feel like we are. So really quick, bear with me while I get the schedule up and running. So Dong City tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Tuesday, the Football Life presents the Audible. Matt Bushnell was our guest last week. He'll be back with Randy Hammond at Football Life at 7 Eastern. Wednesdays, there's supposed to be the lab with uh, Matt Leland and uh, Johnny Ortega. Because he do leave you starving. So <laughs> speaking from experience there. Uh, the Step Back, uh, also on Wednesdays at 8 Eastern. So back-to-back shows uh, on the Life Group uh, television network. Thursday night is Pod Jobbers, is the wrestling show, 8, uh, 8 Eastern with Jake Schwartz, Charlie Martinez, and Brett Moore. Fridays, again, Football Life, the brand new premiere of The Audible uh, going uh, two, a, two a weeks. You heard of two a day? You're going two a weeks. Oh, snap. Look at them go. And, and they, yeah, and they, uh, hey, it's like, you know what it is, Sean? It's like that, that, that they're calling us out. Like, why can't we do two a day? Like, why? It's because of baseball and we're a bunch, of, a bunch of wimps with our uniforms. And then finally Sundays with us. To get your, uh, we're, we're, we don't know if we're going to stay on Sundays because of football season. We'd like to uh, stick it to uh, the weekends, but we'll see. We'll play it by ear. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for joining us uh, on this podcast, and we'll look forward to next week. Yep. Have a good one, guys.